0: Um, his, his body was sore. His muscles were aching. Sleeping on a hard floor for months and months will do that to you. That had been a rough stretch. Not too long ago, it seemed like things were heading the right direction. Tal- crowds were coming to hear what was going on. People, people were interested. The message was, was clean. It was simple. Some people were responding really well. Well, Man, but now, hmm. Well, now, well, it doesn't seem like really anyone's listening. Now it seems like all the plans, what we thought was going to happen, it's all been scrapped. Is this really how it's going to be? Is this, is, is this how it's going to end? Or is there going to be some sort of intervention? Is this what I get for following God? God. And with all these questions that are going through his mind, there seems to be one question just really at the center of it all and is just nagging him. It's racing through his mind, the one that he can't shake. Is he really who I thought he was? Man, is Jesus really the one? Is Jesus really the Messiah? The Savior, is he, is he really the one who is to come? Is Jesus really who I thought he was? Or is he not? Is it really just someone else? And this is John the Baptist doubting about who Jesus is. And I think we can all relate to that, right? We've all had these moments in our life where we really doubt who Jesus is. Is Jesus really the one? Maybe you find it, it's getting even harder for you to trust in God than ever before. And then as we look at the text today, we're going to just see what, what, what kind of moves us towards doubt, what moves us towards those, those questions in our mind and wondering really who Jesus is, but we're also going to just see, well, how does Jesus respond to us in those moments? And just kind of wrestling with that same question that John is asking here, Jesus, are you really the one? Are you really who we think we are? Are you really who the Bible says you are? And this isn't just a question that we're asking to get some, just kind of get the right answer, get the right information. But it really, I mean, this, this question is really at the heart of, of your life. It really tells you not just who Jesus is, but it really tells you who you are. And so if you got a Bible, open up to Matthew 11. And definitely don't just keep looking at me. Open it up to Matthew 11. Get the app out, you know, whatever that looks like. Get something out. But we're going to, yeah, let's look at the text. All right, so... Matthew 11, 1, it says when Jesus had finished giving uh, instructions to his 12 disciples, he moved on there to preach other places. So in Matthew 10, he's, he's been given what they just call the mission discourse, sending the disciples out here. I'm giving you authority. Go out as you preach the gospel, as you follow me. Hey, some of this is going to be really rough. Uh, people are going to oppose you, all these things. So it's kind of this transition sentence here. And then um, verse 2 says, now when John heard in prison, what the Christ was doing, he sent a message through his disciples and asked. he asked Jesus, he asked him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? And so here's this, this first question is this, who's Jesus? You know, G- Jesus, are you, are you really who we thought you were? And I guess it's not just a question that John the Baptist is, is asking, but it's really a question that we should all ask. Jesus, are, are you, are you the one? Are you the one that? That is God, that it, that came, that died on the cross. Are you really him or are you not? But here in Matthew 11, that's, that's kind of an odd question for John the Baptist to be wrestling with because of who John the Baptist is, for him to have doubts about who Jesus was. Earlier in Matthew, John is preaching a message of repentance. Hey, people, you need to repent. You need to turn away from your sin, turn away from your unbelief, t- turn away from your wickedness, and turn to God. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Man, the, the, the Messiah is coming. The, the Savior of the world, he's, he's, he's coming. He's, he's like right here, so repent. John John... Uh, knew who Jesus was and that he was coming. Um, In Matthew 3, John goes and says that, man, I'm baptizing with water because people are coming to the Jordan River. I'm just baptizing you with this water for the repentance of sins. But man, you know, there's one to come and he's gonna baptize you with fire and with the Holy Spirit. Man, I'm I'm actually not even worthy to untie his shoes, to untie his sandals. And, And so John definitely seems to recognize who Jesus is. When Jesus is, is, is walking and John sees him, he says, man, behold the Lamb of God. Just says it out loud. When, when John meets Jesus and Jesus comes to John to be baptized, John says, no, no, you know, actually you should be baptizing me. In, in John chapter one, it says that, or the book of John, uh, says that John the Baptist, that he bore witness and he saw the spirit of heaven. So when John baptizes Jesus and Jesus comes out of the water, it says like the, the, heaven op- the heavens opened up and the spirit of God like a dove came and descended on Jesus and remained on him. John saw that. I've never seen anything like that happen. But I think if I saw somehow, what well, I don't know what exactly what it would look like, the heavens open and then the spirit of God come and remain on somebody, I think I would be like, that seems significant. I think I would have some sort of level of certainty about that. John heard the voice from heaven, this is my son whom I love and am well pleased. John knows who Jesus is. In Luke, John is is in the womb, in his mother's tummy, Elizabeth, and then Jesus is in Mary's tummy, And Mary is walking towards her cousin Elizabeth, and then um, Mary just says, Greetings, when Elizabeth hears the words, John leapt in the womb. It's Jesus! Right, like, John knows pre-birth who Jesus is. I mean, he's able to identify, ah, the Messiah. I mean, parents, come on, you're just trying to get your kids that are in even elementary school or middle school, like, trying to identify who's in charge. Who's in charge? You or me, 50-50. Let's do this. And then John, pre-birth, in the womb's like, that's Jesus. This is crazy. He definitely, he seems absolutely certain about who Jesus is from the womb to adulthood. So what, what prompts John to just say, To tell his disciples, hey, I just need you to go ask Jesus a question for me. Ask him, is he really the one? Or should we expect somebody else? I need you to go ask him that. What prompts John to get to just doubting? All right, look at verse 2. It says, I want you to look at it. Now, when John heard in prison, there it is. Where's John at? He's in prison. He's in jail. Circle, underline that, in prison. In prison. John is no longer in the wilderness preaching, baptizing people, and he's sitting in jail. You turn a few j- chapters ahead to, to Matthew 14, we kind of find out, hey, why is John in jail? So there's this Roman ruler, Roman governor, kind of over the, the, this area, his name is Herod Antipas. And so he's having an affair with his brother's wife. Her her, her name is Herodias. And so it's like, hey, we're having this affair. They both divorce their spouses and then get married. And John, you know, I think we'd be like, hey, that seems, you know, good, what you're doing, Herod. And John just says, hey, hey, Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And I think we'd probably be like, agreed. But Herod and his now new wife, Herodias, we're like, we don't like that. Because who likes being called out on their sin? So they're like, hey, let's throw John in jail. Herod kind of wanted to kill him, but he fears what the people are going to do and how they'll react, so they throw him in jail. And so, John is following God, he's preaching good things, that's why he's in jail. And, And actually, he's been in jail, when he asked Jesus this question, he's been in jail for a while, maybe up to a year. You go back to Matthew 4, it says, when Jesus heard that John was in prison. So, I mean, that's it's quite a while back. That's seven chapters back. Jesus hears that John is in prison. It says that Jesus withdrew to Galilee. Oh, hey, your buddy, the guy who is setting you up, preparing the way of the Lord, he's in jail. Oh, the jail's that way? Okay. I'm going to withdraw to Galilee. Oh, man, that's, that's rough. It means that like Jesus wasn't heading John's way when he's in jail. Right? And so, so there, after a while, it's like, man, these, these struggles, these doubts come to John's mind. And I think we, we see a few, like three, three ways that John doubts. And I think it's the, you know, probably the three main reasons why, why, why we doubt about who Jesus is. And the first one is this, t- tough circumstances. Again, John, John is in jail. And it's like, where's Jesus? Does, not, does Jesus just not care that I'm here? Man, I've been doing the Lord's work. Man, is he just going to be abandoning me in that? I I think we've, we kind of think, or maybe we've even been taught that when it comes to our lives, even on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a yearly basis, that our lives should kind of go like this, and they lived happily ever after. That's kind of what we think. And, And if the happily ever after isn't happening... Man, that's hard. We kind of think like Superman is, or that Jesus is like Superman and we're Lois Lane. Man, if I'm going to fall down, if, there, if I'm ever in any danger, Jesus is just going to like swoop in and save me from any kind of discomfort or say, like something I might be unsafe in. But that's kind of like his purpose to save, you know, to, for our safety and our comfort. And kind of, Here's the thing, you will either base who Jesus is off of who Jesus is and how the scriptures revealed him to be, or you're going to base Jesus off of yourself. This is basically it. Right? You either base, like, man, this is who Jesus shows himself to be. This is what the scriptures say he's been. I'm either going to base Jesus off of that or off of my circumstances. If my circumstances are good, Jesus is good. If my circumstances stink, Jesus stinks. Right? we, and, 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 and it's tough, right? But, but, but those, those troubles, those things that we face in life, those are one of the reasons that we doubt. Now, I'm not trying to undermine those troubles or anything like that. I'm just saying, why do we struggle? Why do we doubt with those things? One of them is our tough circumstances. Next thing is unmet expectations. It isn't just prison that prompts John's question. Look again at verse 2. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, and he hears, what's Jesus up to? If you look back at all the previous chapters, that's what Jesus is up to. And John's hearing all these things. Man, so Jesus is like eating with sinners. Man, he's healed people, casting out demons. Ah, and that isn't, I think that John probably has some similar expectations that the disciples have. And if you continue to read through Matthew, you definitely see that playing out in the disciples' life and what their expectations of are, are of Jesus. And it's like, John's hearing all this, and it's like, man, that doesn't sound very, very kind of messianic-y. know, it just doesn't seem like really what the Messiah should be doing. John in chapter 3 says, man, Jesus is here, and he's got his winnowing fork in hand. He's going to separate the chaff, you know, from the wheat, John is saying, Hey, Jesus is coming. Messiah is here, and he's here to judge. Hey, the righteous, those who believe in God, here you go, blessing. Those who don't, judgment. And he hears about what Jesus is doing, and it's like, there's not a lot of judgment happening. What's up with that? Amen. And Rome is still ruling. People are still wicked. Man, I thought, I thought this would be looking different than this. It, isn't, isn't the Messiah going to deliver us somehow? We all get frustrated when we don't have our expectations met, right? Gosh, this is not what I thought my life would look like. I didn't really see it going like this. And when Jesus doesn't act like we expect him to, we, that's very frustrating it might even cause us to doubt. It doesn't line up with what we think we deserve. Third thing is this, is limited perspective. John has a limited perspective. Right? I mean, John knows. He, he knows certain things, right? He knows Jesus is the Messiah, knows that Jesus is the one to come. But there's also some things that John doesn't really have a lot of clarity on. I mean, John, even they, they ask him, John, are you Elijah? No then Jesus says, yeah, he is, right? So John, John not that he's Elijah exactly reincarnate, but they, that he's coming in the spirit of Elijah. This is the pro, he is that promised person, you know, messenger to prepare the way of the Lord. And so, so there's some certain things that, that John just doesn't see. When Jesus, uh, in Luke 4, Jesus is at a synagogue, and he, he, there he, bas- he could go up to the front and basically read from anywhere in the Old Testament. And then Jesus chooses, he turns to Isaiah 61. Nobody makes him go there, he picks there, and this is what, what Jesus uh, reads. He says, in this, the spirit of the Lord is on me, Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then Jesus rolls the scrolls up, hands it back to the person, and then tells everybody, and now, today, this scripture is fulfilled. I mean, one, that's a big, bold statement, saying like, hey, I am the promised one Messiah, but that's what he says. But here's kind of an interesting thing with that is that right where Jesus stops reading from Isaiah, he says, this is fulfilled. You know what the next line is in Isaiah? Um, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, next line, and the day of our God's vengeance. Jesus doesn't read that part. Right? And so Jesus, Jesus is saying, hey, I came to save. That, that's in my first coming, that's what I'm coming to do is to save. But Jesus, and will Jesus judge? Yes, but there'd be a second coming. Jesus will come again. And he's like, hey, this, this is the time I'm going to judge. And so, so John has, it's like John knows parts of it, but he doesn't know everything. John doesn't have this clear picture of the first coming of the cross, the crucifixion, Jesus maybe dying for sins and then raising again, and that then Jesus would come again later to judge. And so many times, in, I mean, in our life, we don't fully understand what is going on. We don't understand fully what's going on out there with everything, what God is doing in, in, in every, everybody's life, let alone our own life, right? We have limited wisdom. We have limited perspective. I mean, there is a humongous, I can't even know if I could stress enough, the humongous gap between my kid's wisdom and mine. You know, I don't hear like, Ricky, is it really that far? I don't know, but there's a gap, right? I think, I think most people... We think that there's some sort of gap between me and my kids' wisdom. Right? If that's true of me being just 25, 20, 30 years older than my kids, how much more true and bigger is that gap between the infinite God who's created everything in you? Right? That's a humongous gap of wisdom and perspective. You're very limited. Jesus knows everything. And so in, So John, you know, he has this, these doubts, these struggles because of these difficult circumstances, unmet expectations and a limited perspective. And he sends his disciples, man, go ask Jesus this because man, I'm doubting. Jesus, are you really the one? And we'll see how does Jesus respond? Verse four, Jesus replied to them, go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk. Those with leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor are told the good news. I mean, at first glance, this, this seems great. I mean, if the disciples, or, you know, John's disciples come up, man, Jesus, are you really one? Let me tell you. Man, blind people are no longer blind. Hey, those lame people that, that can't walk, they're no longer blind lame you know they're walking man the dead man there's somebody that came back to life i think if i was you know that would be pretty encouraging news if i was john i mean man jesus telling me a lot of great things that are happening i mean gosh this is this pumping this would pump me up but here's the problem with that john already knew all that Right? Remember in verse 2, it says that John, when John heard in prison what Jesus was doing. Hey, are you really the one, Jesus? Well, yeah, let me just tell you what I've been doing. Actually, that's, that's why he's doubting. Because he heard what you're doing. You're just telling me what you've been doing. It's like the same thing. And one of the things I love here, though, with Jesus' response is one, that Jesus doesn't rebuke John. John. Actually, we'll see it a little bit later, John. Uh, Jesus affirms John. I mean, notice that G- Jesus doesn't, he doesn't get angry at John. He's not like, John, seriously, what's your problem? You should just believe, man. Dude, you know, just suck it up. Just believe. J- Jesus listens to his doubt. He meets him in those places. I mean, even later on, post-resurrection, uh, when there's, you know, there's doubting Thomas. And Jesus doesn't say, dude, what's your problem, Thomas? He says, here you go, touch my side. But he meets, he meets Thomas in that. And so, so we see that he's meeting him here. And I, I do think it'd be funny, though, if, if the disciples are like, Jesus, are you the one? And Jesus just said, yep. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> hey, John. He said, yeah. <laughs> see you later. Um, you know, because you, if Jesus just said, yep, we'd be like, I don't think that's really going to do it. Right? So, so what is Jesus doing here? If John already knew all this stuff, if he didn't, Jesus is not just simply saying, yeah, what, what, what does his response show us? And I, I think here, here Jesus is, is calling John, hey, I really, I do want you to remember who I am, and I'm going to do that by pointing you to scripture. John here, or Jesus here, is he's quoting from the Old Testament, Mainly from Isaiah, Isaiah 35, 61. Hey, John, man, I know you're doubting, and I totally get that. I'm gonna meet you in this place, and I'm gonna point you to what, not your circumstances. I'm not gonna point you to your, your unmet expectations. I'm gonna point you to the word of God. Man, when, whenever you're in life, and you're like, gosh, man, life life stinks, man. Life's cutting me. Man, I'd, I'd say, gosh, that, that is more of the time that we need to hear, God, what have you said? Because we, we can start to orient everything that we think about ourselves and what we think about God around ourselves rather than how God has revealed himself, how he's proven himself time and time again. And so Jesus, he, he's, he's telling him the, these verses, hey, John, this is what the word of God has prophesied and promised that the Messiah would be. I'm doing exactly what I said I would do. I'm meeting with the kind of people that you would expect I'm preaching good news to the poor. Just like was prophesied and promised years ago. The word of God is true, John. God, God doesn't lie. God knows what's up. Look at God's word. And, and so Jesus is, is pointing him to God's word, to God's promises in this response. And then look at verse six. This the last thing that Jesus says in, in reply to the, John's disciples he says, and blessed is the one who isn't offended by me, who doesn't fall away on account of me. This is, this is kind of a beatitude here. You know, if you think of the beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the peacemakers, this. And, and now Jesus, it's again, it's the same word, blessed. Blessed are those who don't fall away on account of me. And so Jesus in, in you know, in verses four through six says, I mean, he's pointing John to, to God's word, but even in this, he, he's doing, Jesus is doing a couple other things. One, in these verses that Jesus is pointing to, John the Baptist would have been familiar with these. And again, part of these is the one that we already saw in Luke 4, but Jesus even cuts it shorter here at the end of verse 5 where he says, this is what I've come to do and what I'm doing. And the poor told the good news, period, stop. If you read right after that in Isaiah 61, this is right what it says right after that that Jesus doesn't say and he sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty for the to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. Jesus doesn't say that. And so Jesus is letting John know, hey yeah man, I am the promised Messiah. Hey, I'm not, I'm not turning you away. I'm embracing you in these doubts. I'm pointing you to the word of God. I am that promised Messiah. But hey, John, I'm not coming for you in prison. John, John you're, I'm, you're gonna die in prison. Jesus, you know, lets him know that. He, he doesn't sugarcoat it. And I know that, that I mean, that would be really hard. But Jesus, Jesus has just been talking about the cost of following him. In chapter 10, man, gosh, you're going to face opposition. This is going to be really tough. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not Superman in this sense that I'm here just to... I didn't primarily really come to give you safety. I came to give you a savior. I know that's hard. Man, I'm, and I think that, that, that could be hard for us to hear. Why doesn't Jesus just rescue him? And here's the, the thing, I don't completely know. Right? I mean, you're, I'm sure you are, have faced situations, or you in the past, or maybe you are now, and you're like, why doesn't Jesus just fix this? I don't fully know. But Jesus makes it, you know, clear. Like, hey, you know, at least in here, it's like, hey, that sometimes there is this. Many times there's this cost to follow in Jesus. And again, I didn't come to primarily give you safety, but to give you a savior. And, And when we think at least in terms of similar to John, like, hey, if we're following Jesus, I think many times we just want the convenient, comfortable route, and I do too. But when it comes to a lost and dying world that doesn't know God, the world can't wait for us to choose a safe path. But it, I don't even think really our hearts can choose. For, wait, wait for us to just choose something that's comfort. Because many times we will choose comfort over Christ. But our hearts doesn't, our souls don't need comfort. Like just in things being the way that we want them, we need Jesus. And so Jesus is like, hey man, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not coming for you, but, but, he, but he adds this like, hey, blessed is the one who does not fall away on, on account of me. Jesus is giving him this proof, proof of the miracles, proof of, of what God's word is. But Jesus is also saying, like, but trust me. Have faith. Not, not that it has to be blind faith, right? Jesus is giving him, giving him evidence. But he's like, hey, John, trust when it doesn't make sense, trust when it's hard. Trust, because because I really am the Messiah. I really am the one. But trust in me, not don't orient me around your circumstances or around yourself. Orient me around me, around the Word of God. Trust the path that I have for you, even if it's the isn't the safest or what you wanted. I mean, Jesus has just taught the you know a few chapters back, right? The Lord's Prayer, and it's one of the first things that is prayed there not my will be done, but yours, right? Hey, I know it's tough. I know it, this is hard, but, but trust me, trust me in this. And so John, he doubts, doubts who Jesus is because he, he's starting to kind of orient his, his, him, his life, who he thinks Jesus is. He's starting to orient that around himself, his circumstances, his expectations. But here's the thing, even in those doubts, what does John do? He goes to Jesus. Hey, man, gosh, I'm wrestling. Mm. Oh, this doesn't make sense. I don't like it. But he goes to Jesus in those doubts. And Jesus meets him even in that, in that place. And so there's this contrast to the, to the kind of the next group of people that, that Jesus mentions in the passage. And so the first point is, is who is Jesus? next point is this. Who are you? Who are you? Verse 7 uh, Jesus, he, he, he talks about John, but he's mainly talking about John kind of for the people. He's like, hey, what did you go out in the wilderness to see? Did you go out to see a reed shaken by the wind? Hey, did you go out to see somebody that's just kind of swayed by popular opinion? That's just giving the people what they wanted to hear. No, we know that that's not John. That's not what you went out there to see, to have your ears tickled. No. Well, did you go out there to see somebody that's dressed in, in awesome clothes? that's sophisticated, that's refined, that's, that's kind of about promoting themselves? No, we know that that's not John. He's eating locusts and grasshoppers and honey and he's wearing camel hair. That's, John, John's not like somebody that's made for palaces. He's not somebody that's swayed by popular opinion. So what'd you go out there to see? A prophet? Yes. That's who you saw. You're seeing somebody that's declaring the truths of God. That's a messenger from God. And actually, I tell you, it's more than a prophet This is what was prophesied in the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi. Man, I will send my messenger ahead of you and he'll prepare the way of the Lord, prepare the way of the Messiah. That's who you're out there to see. He's coming, he's the one like Elijah who is to come. Man, if you could accept that, if you have ears, listen to that. And so Jesus is telling the man, and he even says in And verse 11, again, again, kind of affirming John to to the crowd. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, no one greater than John the Baptist has appeared. That's, I mean, that's a pretty big statement. I mean, Jesus Jesus is saying, hey, basically everybody outside of Adam, because Adam was just made by God, he wasn't born of woman, and everybody outside of me, Jesus, right, because Jesus was born of God, Jesus is like, everyone else, John is greater than everybody else well man is he greater than abraham yep greater than moses yep greater than elijah yep well why is that because john jesus is saying john's greatness is in his relationship with jesus because john is basically like the last announcement right before jesus takes stage john is preparing the way of the lord and it's basically like all these other prophets. They saw what was to come sometime in the distance, but John is like right there. Man, and now the Messiah, Jesus, is here. Behold, the Lamb of God. So John, John is greater than them because he gets like the, the most front row seat of all the prophets, of all the people of the Old Testament. But then he goes on at the end of verse 11 But the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Well, what does that mean? Jesus is saying, hey, everybody that comes after the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus is greater than John the Baptist. Wait, what? So, so anyway, you're telling me that, that BJ and Jessica Crifles are greater than John the Baptist. Yep. What about, what about Kate and Jared Naveen? Yep. What about Trevor Tocolsti? I don't know. Oh. Right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But, but yeah, yeah all, all of them are greater than John the Baptist. You if, you, if you trust in Christ, you're greater than John the Baptist. Wait a minute, what? John the Baptist seems legit. Here, here's the thing, your greatness is not based off of you or what you've done or what you can do. Jesus is saying your greatness is based off of your relation to me. Because what John looked ahead with a lack of clarity about who Jesus is, about the cross, about the resurrection, all that, guess what? Everybody else, us in the room, we look back with clarity. Man, Jesus is the Lamb of God. Jesus paid the price for my sin completely. We even get to look ahead, and he's coming back. We're partakers of a new covenant. Man, John didn't, didn't, wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit, but man, now because Jesus says, hey, when I, it's better for me to go because you'll get the Spirit. In you, living my presence, my power, living in you. And sometimes we just forget how amazing it is what we have in Christ. It, is, it defines who you are, defines the greatness of your life, the goodness of your life. I mean, if you've, if you've trusted in Christ, the ultimate answer isn't like who you think you are. Right? The Enneagram doesn't define who you are. Jesus defines who you are. If you're in Christ, I man, you're a new creation. The old is gone, and the new is come. If you're in, if you've trusted in Christ, you're forgiven of all of your sins, past, present, future. You're forgiven. You're made one with Christ. We even just read those verses. You're reconciled, united, brought near, union with Jesus. You don't go to the Father in prayer based off of your good week or your bad day or whatever. You go to the Father totally made righteous because Christ has credited to you from him. You have a new identity. You're so loved by Christ. I mean, more than you could even comprehend or imagine you're loved by Christ. There's nothing that you have done to make God love you less. There's nothing that you could do today, tomorrow to make God love you more. He loves you the most that he possibly could ever. Man, those are the people that are great in the kingdom. That's who you are. If, if, if Jesus is the one, right, Jesus, you are the one. That's who I am. See yourself through me and your relationship to me, not through you, not through your circumstances. I know those are hard. And so Jesus, he, he, he continues on. Just talking about, you know, in verse 12, again, he t- talks about just kind of the, the, the difficulty of following him. Hey, violent people lay hold of the kingdom of God. I mean, even John is a testament that Herod is laying hold of him. And then he goes on and uh, commends John. And then verse 16, he starts to contrast John and in his doubts going to Jesus with this other group of people, the people of the day. And he said, Jesus says this, to what should I compare this generation it's like children sitting in the marketplace who call out to the other children. We played the flute, flute for you, but you didn't dance. We sang a lament, but you didn't mourn. And, and so, so Jesus is saying like the people of the, that generation are like children, but not in a good way. He's saying you're not childlike exactly, but you're childish. You're childish. You're childish. See, people uh, at, at that culture, would, they would go to the marketplace frequently. It's like, you know, the Costco, I guess. Um, and they're, they're going there, and so they're trading, they're buying, they're getting different things, selling different things. So the kids, it's like, all right, well, hey, let's kind of play. And Jesus saying, hey, this is, you're kind of like the, the children of, that, of the, um, you're the generation that's like these kids. And so one of the kids gets up, and he's like, okay, let's play a game. What are the two big events that, that kids would know about? One of them would be weddings. All right, hey, let's kind of play wedding, kids. And, you know, hey, let's play a little flute. And so the kids, the kids would be like, hey, we're playing wedding. Let's dance. Yay. And then there'd be that other kid sitting over there. I don't like that. I don't like this song. This is too happy. Play something else. Okay. All right. No problem. All right. Hey, let's, uh, let's play funeral. All right, let's do a dirge. I don't know what a dirge sounds like, but it sounds worse. Um, you know, like, all right, we'll play this. Oh, gosh, I don't want to mourn. That's that's too sad. I don't like that. And, and so Jesus is saying, and you're, you're kind of, that's you. You're like these whiny brats that nothing's good enough for you. The problem isn't the flute. The problem isn't the dirge. You're the problem. Right? It, no matter how many times they change the tune, you're not going to like it. And, and Jesus is kind of saying like him and John are the ones that are playing the flute and singing the dirge. Like, hey, we're, we're the ones that are doing this and you don't like it because you are orienting yourself completely off of you. And, and they, they, no, matter, no matter what it is, you're not going to like it. And then those next verses, it's, well, John came not eating or drinking. And you're like, ah, oh, we don't like him. He has a demon. Oh, Jesus came. He came eating and drinking. Ah, oh, he's a glutton, friend of sinners. You don't like that either. And so, and then Jesus, he, he goes on in verses 20 through 24. He starts pronouncing these, these judgments. Hey, you want to orient yourself around yourself? Man, I've done all of these miracles. I've healed people. The dead, the dead have been raised back to life. Hey, and all of this was right in your midst, and you still didn't believe you're rejected. I think so many people are like, we could think, well, man, if, if Jesus just kind of showed up and just did this or that or talked to me like this or that, I would believe here's kind of the thing is history is not on your side in that I mean think of Exodus after the people they're, they're slaves they're totally helpless God uses his messenger Moses to send plagues they get out of Egypt and they're walking in the wilderness and it says that they were led by day by a, by a pillar of, a, a, of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night I don't know exactly what that would look like but it sounds awesome If you're like, hey, how'd you know where we're going? Well, there's this giant pillar of fire just moving. I think that would be like, that's pretty supernatural. That's a miracle. And then like just a month, month and a half after that, gosh, Moses is taking a long time on the mountain talking with this God guy. Huh, I know. Let's just get some gold and make a cow and worship it. Right? They, they, they start bailing right away, even though they've seen all these things from God. Jesus, his, probably his home base was Capernaum, probably the place where he performed the most miracles. People are seeing it right there in front of their face. And Jesus is like, you're not believing. It's not, it's not an evidence problem, right? The evidence is there. The proof is there. But you're rejecting Because it's not an evidence problem, it's a heart problem. If you, I would say in in your life, if you ever are basically living your life based off of who you are, it will lead you away from Christ in life. It's not going to lead you towards towards even doubt and going to Jesus. It's going to lead you towards unbelief and rejection of Christ. I mean, even, even after Jesus raises from the dead in Matthew 28... I mean, he's, Jesus is talking to all these people. All the people know, okay, Jesus died. He was crucified. He was put in a tomb. And well, now he's talking to us. And it says that many worshiped, but even some doubted as in they didn't believe. They rejected. This heart problem. I mean, even, even when it came, comes to the songs, you know that, hey, um, John came this way. Jesus comes that way. Neither one of them work for you. You don't like, John came, judgment. Repent, judgment. Nope, don't like that. Jesus came, repent, salvation. Nope, I don't like that either. Right, this is still true of the gospel. Right, people don't like the gospel because in some ways it's hard news. People don't like hearing how wicked they are. That their heart is so desperately wicked that they can't save themselves. Hey, you're a sinner, you're dead in your sin. There's nothing that you can do to like make yourself suddenly acceptable to God. You can't get your make yourself right with God. It's not Jesus and you. It's not that you're a pretty good person. Absolutely, you're dead. There's darkness in your heart, and you are lost. You're broken. Ooh, I don't like that. That's, gosh, that's hard news. Eh. Oh, oh, yeah. Hey, but there's more. But, but you're totally saved by grace, right? Jesus paid the price for your sin. Jesus died in your place, and it, and it's it's this gift of God. It's not that nobody can boast, right? It's a gift. It's you're saved by grace through faith because Jesus paid it all. Oh. Huh. Well, that sounds too easy. And, and here's the problem is pride. Right? In pride, we don't want to admit that we're that sinful, because we're wanting to orient everything, even who God is, around ourselves. I don't want to admit that I'm that sinful, that I can't do it. We like religion, because if it's religion, yeah, there's a God, but if I do all of these good things, then God owes me. Right? God can't ask too much of me. But, but man, if it really is, I'm utterly helpless. I am sinful and wicked and separated from God. And I can't get to God on my own. And if it really is, Jesus took all of that punishment on himself, the punishment that I deserved. And I can't, the only way for me to be saved is by grace. And I can't earn it. It's just through faith in Christ. Man, if that's that's true, then there's nothing that Jesus can't ask of me. Right? Because ultimately, then you don't belong to yourself. You belong to Christ who bought you by his blood. Right? And then I'm not the authority of my life like I want to be. If you make yourself... Your circumstances, your, 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 your expectations, whatever it is, if you make yourself kind of the, orient, the, the reference point of your life, if you, instead of Jesus being the one, you're like, well, actually, I know the answer to that. I'm the one. If that ends up being your answer, here, here's what it'll always be following Jesus will be optional. That's just how it'll be, right? Any of, any of what Jesus has revealed himself or his commands. How, how Jesus says, hey, this is what I want you to do with your money. This is what I want you to do with your life. This is what I want you to do with your mouth or with your, your physical relationships with others. Any of those things. If the reference point of your life is you, you'll be like, I don't have to listen to Jesus on any of that if I don't want to. If the reference point of your life is you, then here, here's something that will happen. You'll just end up getting bored with Jesus. The cross will end up becoming boring. Right? I mean, I think we even kind of struggle with that. Hey, Jesus loves you and died for you. Yeah? Cool. So? Because you forget how amazing Jesus is and really how desperately you need him. Man, you... You'll just see, if you orient yourself to Christ and really who he is and how he's revealed himself to be, man, the more and more you'll be like, Jesus is incredible. He is more glorious than I even thought, more and more all the time. And you'll see even more and more of like, man, and I want to follow Christ because I so want to see this world know how that Christ. I so want to see people come to know Jesus because he is that good, The the gospel is hard news, but it's also amazing good news because, yes, you are far more wicked than you think you are, but you are more loved than you could ever imagine. Jesus is more good than you could ever possibly think. And that just brings us back to that opening question that John asked and that we need to ask and answer is, Jesus, are you the one and if the answer to that is yes, Jesus is the one, and that answer is true, then it, it brings us to our knees. It, it causes us to release our grip on what we think that we can control and trust in him because Jesus Jesus is the one. He is the one who alone is good. Jesus is the one who died in your place. Jesus is the one who is your Savior and Lord. Jesus is the one who knows your sin, knows your darkness, but loves you who died for you. Jesus is the one that forgives you. Jesus is the one that took on the judgment that you rightfully deserve. He took on the curse so that you might receive the blessing in Christ. Jesus is the one who puts his spirit in you, changes you, shapes you, that even in your darkest moments of, man, I'm struggling with these doubts, Jesus is with you. Even if you're like, man, I'm struggling to think of what does Jesus actually think of me? Does he love me? Does he like me? His spirit testifies, speaks to our spirit by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, I want you to know that I am your father that loves you. Jesus is the one that meets us in those doubts and struggles who came to heal the brokenhearted. hearted. Even later on this cha- in, in this chapter, Jesus is the one who doesn't say, hey, come to me, you who got it figured out. Hey, come to me, the ones who are doing really good and never doubt. No, Jesus is the one that says, come to me, all of you who are broken and tired and weary. I am gentle and humble in spirit. And I, I am the one that gives you the one thing that you can never give yourself, that nothing in this world could ever give you. Jesus is the one that gives us rest for our souls. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we thank you that, that Lord, that we can just trust that you meet us in our doubts. Lord, that, that you're not shocked by them, that you're not put off by them. Lord, we, we thank you, Lord, that, that you are the one that you reveal yourself to be, that you prove yourself to be. Lord, the one that Scripture shows yourself to be, that you are the one that has come. To, to, to set the captives free to, to, to pay the price for sin Lord and you are the one that is coming back again Lord In that yes things might be really hard now Lord but we know that you are coming back and that you will put all things right you will make everything new you will restore everything and so Lord help us to trust you help us to, to orient just our lives everything to you who we are who you are to you Lord not to ourselves Lord and give us the strength to just trust you, Lord, in the midst of it, Lord. That yeah, we mind we do have a limited perspective, Lord, but Lord, just give us the strength to follow you, even when it's hard. We ask this in your name.